You're listening to the Rooted Feminine Podcast, the place for sovereign women who want to honor just how potent they truly are. I'm your host, Marissa Lawton, a former licensed psychotherapist turned sacred steward, and it's my mission to help women cultivate grounded relationships with their feminine energy and step more fully into their divinity. I walk alongside feminine seekers as they remember their magic, reconnect with ancient rhythms, and reclaim their divine power. By moving beyond patriarchal constructs and good girl conditioning, we are all able to co-create a life of spiritual intention. Each week, we will work to root spiritual concepts in the earth and in the body. You'll get a sense of what it's like to open yourself up to your mysticism like never before and you'll be inspired to walk the feminine path, pouring into yourself and the collective around you. From the way you make your money, to the way you trust your path, and the way you show up in the world, you really can embody your soul's truth. So keep listening and prepare to enter Temple Space. Hey sisters, let's be honest. There's a difference between your spiritual path being something you do and being who you are. We're all here listening today because we're craving the embodied power that is possible when we resurrect our relationship with ancient and sacred wisdom. But none of us is alone when we realize we have a lot of work to do, individually and collectively, in order to help the divine feminine truly rise. Truth is, there are generations worth of deconditioning and decolonizing work that needs to happen for goddess energy to feel safe enough to flourish and each of us has a different soul calling and dharmic purpose to help her do just that while this all sounds so magical it's not really that easy to step out of the systems and structures we've known all our lives even if our intuition is screaming at us to do so and we all could use a little guidance on how best to bravely step onto the feminine path this is why i made you an insightful quiz In nine grounded questions, you'll see exactly where you're at in your divine feminine journey and what could help you most as you root into your spiritual growth. It's super easy for you to take and it will give you incredible insight into awakening your magic and stepping into your power. Simply head on over to rootedfeminine.com slash quiz to take the first step in your rerouting journey. Hey sister, welcome to episode nine of Rooted Feminine. It may be a little echoey in here because the house is officially empty and we are on our way to our cross-country move. So if the audio is a little bit wonky on this episode, bear with me. We will be returning to our normal quality ASAP. Um, I'm excited this week to introduce you to one of my good friends, Meg. Meg is somebody that I know from the business space. And on the surface level, it seems like she is very driven and determined and focused and poignant, which all come across as masculine characteristics and masculine traits. But through this episode, you'll hear how Meg actually is embodying her feminine quite a bit, not only in her business, but in her personal life as a mom, a wife a community member and all of those things as well. So I do hope that you will enjoy Meg's episode and we'll go ahead and jump on in. Hey sister, welcome to episode nine of Rooted Feminine. 
I'm excited to be here today with one of my really good friends, Meg Casebolt, who I've connected with in my other brand, which has a very masculine flair to it. And so it's so fun to bring her into the rooted feminine space and have her really share her wisdom with us because she's not only a super, super savvy at business, she's made not only changes in her business, but in her personal life to allow more feminine um, and allow more flow to come in. So Meg is going to share all the goods about that with us today. So Meg, if you could just kind of uh, do an intro, tell us who you are, what you do um, in your business, and then also some personal stuff, and then we'll just jump right in. Oh, that's a lot. So (laughs) hello, everyone. I am Meg Casebolt. Um, First and foremost, top on my business card, we'll say, is that I'm the founder of Love It First Search, which is a search engine optimization marketing firm. So helping businesses to show up in Google and, you know, Apple Podcasts and YouTube and any of those search. We're moving into Amazon is one of the things that we're Mm -hmm. helping people get found on. Um, We can talk about that too, because that's where my business is going. Um, But so that's my primary title is is love at first search and doing SEO for small businesses. I also host my own podcast called Social Slowdown, which is exploring the relationship between social media and entrepreneurship and mental health to Mm -hmm. a great extent, because I think a lot of us end up becoming dependent and addicted to platforms that maybe aren't that good for us, but we feel like we have to be there. Um, And then I also am starting uh, in the next year. So in 2024, I'm going to start publishing romance novels. So (laughs) because, you know, those of us who are small business owners who have this brain that really loves trying new things. We don't know how to do just one thing at a time. And I think you and I are very good explanations for that. Um, And then personally, I live in Rochester, New York. I am married. I have two neurodivergent sons. um, So I am learning all about special education, 504s, IEPs, all those things. Um, And I have a 90 pound pit bull who I walk every day. Love it. And I think one of the things that I've learned from you, because we've been in programs together and and built a friendship is like the way that you are able to, I'm trying to think how, how I want to say this, the way that you're able to have such a capacity, like you Mm. have capacity for a lot of things. You have a capacity for your family and so much passion. When you talk about them, you have capacity for your business, which is a big business and you have so much passion for that and your self-care and these other things. And it's like that that's impressive where some of us might be like, Ooh, I don't have the energy for that. that." So can you speak a little bit? Like, have you had to work to expand that capacity to do multiple things? How has that been? Yeah, 100%. I've had to work really hard at Time management, holding boundaries, prioritization, saying no, delegating. And like you and I were actually supposed to record this two days ago. And Mm -hmm. I messaged you and I was like, I just don't have it today Um, for like full transparency. My father-in-law died three days ago. And I was like, nope, Marissa, we're not doing this. Like, and I basically shut down for a week because I have a team that was able to step in and cover for me because I've hired six women who work for me, five of whom are moms. Mm-hmm. three of whom have kids under the age of one or are pregnant right now. Like it's mm-hmm. a very much like a, a, a very feminine group of women. And I don't mean that in like, eh, like we exchange makeup tips, but just like, we're oh. so supportive to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very 
communicative, very transparent in what's going on in our lives. And so I went to my team the day my husband got on a plane to go talk to his father-in-law, you know, like um, to my father-in-law rather. Um, And I was like, here's what's going on. And they were like, step back, take care of yourself. We got this. Right. And I've done the same thing for them where they have things come up. They have family things come up or life things come up, or even just like one of my team members is the, um, the president of her PTSA. And she's like, I can't work this month because it's the last month of school. And I'm like, cool, take it off. I'll see you in July. Right. Like Mm-hmm. It's just such a flow within the team and the expectation of when you need time, you take time. When you when someone else needs time, you take a, you step up and you cover. Um, we've all done this for each other so many times that yeah. when somebody does need to step back, whether it's me or a team member, we hold the space, we build the capacity for each other. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of honestly, like not to toot my own horn, but you asked the question, like, I feel like I've done a really good job modeling it for my team so that they can ask for help when they need it. And because I've built my own resilience around a lot of these things, when they need it, I don't panic. I'm Mm -hmm. not like, oh, so-and-so is going to be gone for two weeks. It's like, okay, great. What do I need to do? What needs to shift in my business priorities, in my personal life? Who on the team can fill this, this, this role that 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 person has to step away from? Like at all times, I mean, we all have job descriptions. We all have responsibilities, but at any point, those things can shift and flow. And that's part of why we hire the team that we do, because we, we all are going to do that for each other. I love that you're on the show right now because a lot of what people would he- might pick up from this conversation is masculine energy, but I want to point out a couple of ways that the feminine is actually working here. The first one, and, and what we're really, our goal at Rooted Feminine is to have this ancient wisdom, have this energetic shift, but to still live modern lives. Right. Okay? You can't just so- step out of it. Right. So what you've done, and this is just my observation, you can be like, yeah, that's right or not right. But here's how I see it is the first thing I noticed is you have created your village. The village doesn't look the way it used to in ancient times where we're all, you know, raising each other's kids together. And a lot of us want that. And a lot of us are are trying to emulate that in our modern lives. But you've created it in a very modern way in terms of this is a community of women mm-hmm. coming together, empowering each other, caring for each other, asking for their needs to be met. And doing that for each other. And that's incredibly feminine mm-hmm. community. You're not out there trying to forge this by yourself, right? If you were. I have a post-it note on my desk. Yeah. I only have three post-it notes on my desk. Yeah. One of them says, build the village. Where do you get the support to feel thriving? Mm-hmm. Right. Like we have to build our own villages to create our own support, to give other people the support that they need to thrive. If you were building this in a masculine way, you'd be saying, I'm going to do this all myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Or nobody can step away. Right. You have to get your work done and you have to get it done by this deadline. And there's no, there's no flexibility. Everything is rigid. The other thing that I want to point out too, that's actually a feminine trait is the boundaries that you set. Because when we're working in our solar plexus, our third chakra area on our power, there are masculine archetypes here and there are feminine archetypes here. And the difference between them is masculine is power over others or power over situations and feminine is power over the self. 
So you're mm-hmm. setting boundaries. You're you're stepping into queen and you're stepping into warrioress instead of king and warrior because king would be out there trying to conquer stuff and warrior would out, be out there fighting, whereas queen establishes the queendom within herself and warrioress protects those boundaries. So it's very interesting when people are talking about the feminine and they only talk about the sexy stuff and they, or they only talk about the sweet stuff or the, the receptive and radiant stuff. Yes, that's all feminine, but so is power. Uh, and that's what I, yeah, that's what you bring to the table. And what our listeners can learn is that it's not, there's, there's different aspects of this energy. Right. I think also, I mean, to speak from like romance novelist coming out here, Mm -hmm. I think that there's this expectation of feminine being submissive and masculine being dominant in a lot of ways. Um, in, even within feminine conversations, this feeling of you have to remove yourself, you have to be less than and being powerful can be seen as being bitchy or being overblown or bossy or, or it's really this negative thing. And then if you want to go into being powerful, then you have to be like girl boss, right? You know, like that sort of over feminized mm-hmm. caricature of power. Yeah. And there is, so I have a previous episode on this that you guys can go listen to. There's a difference between immature, mature, and toxic. And this is true on Mm -hmm. the feminine side and the masculine side. Immature is really, there's no consciousness. Like it's happening without our, our awareness of it. And then mature and toxic are both conscious, but toxic is conscious manipulation. So Mm -hmm. using our power, like that bitch, oh, I'm going to go wield my power and be a bitch that would be immature feminine. It could still be feminine, but it's not being used in a mature way, which is conscious Mm change-making. It's, you're still intentional, but it's not to manipulate somebody else or to manipulate the situation. It's conscious change-making, conscious problem-solving, conscious whatever. Problem-solving would probably be a little bit more masculine, but conscious boundary-holding, conscious empowerment, conscious reinforcement of the boundary, that would be mature queen or mature warrior oh i just i love this i love that so much i'm like starting to think about what would be the toxic feminine so in power i'm sure this is already covered in a previous episode this is so helpful because this is almost like a case study like listeners are hearing this like in real like a real life example um okay so Power, I don't have an, an example off the top of my head, but we'll see this in sex. Women will use sex to manipulate, to get what they want. Oh, I want a car. Let me go. Whatever. Right. Like I'm just using examples we've yeah. seen movies, books, TV, that kind of stuff. Um, we'll also see. So that would be like immature seductress or toxic, actually toxic seductress would be like, oh, I see a rich man at the bar. Let me go and seduce him because he'll be my sugar daddy. Like with that manipulation. And I think in the business space, this is something that Kelly Deals was talking about a lot a couple of years ago around the like feminine lifestyle empowerment brands of like, mm-hmm. look at this picture of me. And it's not like, oh, I'm a dude with a Lambo. It's like, look at me and my shiny hair and my family wow. looks perfect and my big yeah. house and look what I can do, even though wow. I still wear pink, you know, like it can still mm-hmm. be, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be overtly sexual for it to be right. feminine, like kind of toxic feminine. I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's a real thing. And we also see this too in like a toxic maiden would be like, okay, so the example I used on the podcast, like you and your partner get in a fight and rather than sit down and say, hey, you know, that was shitty. Let's have a conversation about this. Let's hash this out. You go up like with the jar of the spaghetti sauce and you're like, can you open this for me? I can't get it. 
And that's mm. your way of like trying to bridge the conflict, but you're using like maiden and like pure gentle energy in a manipulative way. Right. Mm -hmm. So that would be another way that shows up. So in all of the, the archetypes of feminine, there's going to be toxic, mature and immature. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So before we started recording, you were talking about like, okay, let me back up. Let's talk about the business a little bit more and some of these hires that you've made, how they've been intentional to give you more space, more freedom, more flow, more feminine. And then I would love to make the transition to the personal life because you've said you, you're consciously cultivating this energy in your personal life as well. In the business, especially with the, the decisions about who and when we hire, um, we actually joke about this. So my, I have a right-hand person in my business. Her name's Megan. My name's Meg. We both have names that start with C. It's very confusing. Um, <laughs> but she lives one town over from me. We meet up for coffee every Thursday mornings. So that way we can have, we can run an online business, but still have that, that yeah. groundedness of like, here's what needs to happen. She runs all the operations. She makes her, everything is running smoothly. So that way I don't have to think about it, but like, She's the one who's also the PTSA president, you know, like she, this isn't her full-time job. She doesn't want it to be. I don't want it to be, mm -hmm. but it, at some point, you know, her kids are now back in school. She stayed home to be a stay at home mom. And she's starting to like dip her toe back in. And I wanted to give her that if she wants to make that transition back into the workplace, mm -hmm. she doesn't want a 10 year gap on her resume. Yeah. So she started to develop the skill set, and I'm, I'm benefiting from it. Right. So mm -hmm. Megan and I sat down and said, what are the gaps that we see in the business. We had somebody who had to exit for her kids. <laughs> and so we went, okay, what was Shannon doing? What could we do? What are, what are the things that Megan's doing that maybe aren't the right fit for her? We built a job description and we knew the job description was a little bit weird, mm -hmm. but we put it out into the world and kind of went like, okay, if you, and we said, when we, we put this out to our email list and on social media and put it on LinkedIn and indeed and wherever and we said, like, if you think you fit part of this, apply and we'll have a conversation. Yeah. That's so cool. Just that the yeah. way that you're asking people to join your team, it's not like you have to meet this criteria and above, or you won't even be considered. Right. It's like, right. And like, open we this up and let's see what we can create together. Like, right. Like, we sort of even said in the job description, like, this is our ideal person. Like th these are our ideal tasks, but that doesn't mean you have to do all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we had some people and it, it was a position that was like partially research and SEO driven and partially community driven. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had a, couple dozen people apply. We interviewed a lot of them and Megan and I were on all the calls together. And at the end of a couple of the calls, we went, not the perfect fit for everything, but man, did I like her energy. Yeah. And I liked her, the, the way that she showed up. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up taking that position, splitting it into two, and then hiring two different people based on how they fit into what our business needed. But also <laughs> we, um, we chose the two candidates who came into that interview round and said, I applied for this job because those company values are what I want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have company values around flexibility, transparency, inclusion, honesty, curiosity, right? And and we are, one of them's a military spouse, both Megan and I are, you know, her husband was in the Marine, my husband was in the Navy, we have someone else who's a Marine, and this one is a Navy, right? Like, so half our team are military spouses. Mm -hmm. Um, Three of us have separated, but you know, like, 
it just, the kismet is there. The flexibility that's required that we all had to learn through that life is yeah. there. Um, and then the other one, you know, she has three kids and she wants to work with. And so we just like, we adjust based on who the right people are. And then based on what those people, how they want to grow, what they want to do, mm-hmm. we, because we're a small team, we can sort of adjust the plans based on what the team needs, adjust the timeline based on what's going on. We have a team member who does all of our podcast editing and content marketing, and she also runs a business um, that is a retail business. And so in Q4, we're like, all right, pull back on what we need from her or get it set up in Q3 because Q4 is going to be wild for her, right? Like we plan around the other things that are happening in the team's lives, not just like, oh, I'm the founder, I'm the CEO, I'm the most important one. Here's how, and that's that like power from above, right? Right. Right. Like we recognize that the moms are going to have crazy times of year in December and June. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and that's just how our lives are. And why are we trying to force our mm-hmm. lives into this hyper-masculine 40 hours a week, okay. nine to five structure that was basically just like the industrial revolution chose this, not even exactly it's not circadian rhythms it's mm-hmm. not anything natural it's just like well this is what henry ford wanted to do Ta-da! Um, <laughs> so why would why would you do that to ourselves if we don't have to and there's a couple also just pointing out because i love to highlight this there's a couple of things happening here and this is a great example of polarity because there are some masculine elements here right you sat down with an analytical mind and said what do we need and that's very much a focused and poignant and driven activity and that would I would consider a masculine activity. But then when you're choosing the candidate, like you're dropping into your body, you're sensing the energy. Mm-hmm. And just because we're rooted feminine around here doesn't mean that we're like anti-masculine. It's about this this polarity and and calling it in when you need it. That's power, right? Yeah. The, um, activate them. But as Megan and I were having those conversations, we were going through and ranking the applicants mm-hmm. in a very masculine way. And then right. also having these kind of qualitative empathetic mm-hmm. feelings about it. And that night she sat down at the table with her, her husband who does hiring for Amazon mm-hmm. and helps write the algorithm for how Amazon does some of this stuff. And he's like, wait, you didn't ask them for like disc assessments. You didn't ask for, and you know, we did have people go through, you know, please do a test project with us or something along those lines. But we made the decisions from our hearts and our guts. Mm-hmm. And her husband was like, how can, how, how can yeah. you do that? And she's totally like, blew his mind. <laughs> right. And he, she's turned to him and she was like, you have billions of people in your company. So you need to have these structures. Right. We have seven. Right. We need to want to work with these people. Yeah. We want to engage with these people. We, we want to look forward to going into our Slack channel. We don't just want like the smartest people. We want people who are smart and compassionate. Mm -hmm. and ambitious. Yeah. And so often when we get our businesses to this level where we're able to step out a little bit, right? What ends up happening is we don't have the nervous system regulation. And this is true in my case, many times over where it's like, okay, there's a lull. What do I do? Oh, I'll start another business or whatever, because (laughs) we're so used to being activated and we don't know how to settle that nervous system. We don't know how to live an energetically grounded life. We're so used to that frenetic. And I think that that's something that you are doing well because you are pursuing passion projects. Yes, you may monetize them and that's okay. But like you are, you're really listening to like, what's a, what's something I've always wanted to do in terms of this writing and um, 
and and these things that you pursue outside the business because you've built it in a way that gives you that freedom. So I'd love to hear about kind of like that bridge. Like how is the business giving you more time, more energy? What are you doing with that? And how are you pursuing that kind of in like a feminine way? Yeah. So I, in early pandemic days, when we were all in like hard, hard lockdown, could barely leave the house. It was cold where I live. So it was like the, even the walks had to be short. Um, I just like sank into romance novels as a healthy alternative to drinking and binging TV, wow. right? Because everyone I knew was like, oh, let's get on Zoom and drink wine. And I'm like, this is a little too much for me. I'll do it once a week. I cannot do it every night, right? Um, and so I started reading and reading more and more. And I started to dream mm. full novel stories. Mm. Like the full, begin, like beginning to end, I would wake up from the dream and be like, well, that was a novel, right? Like it was wild. Pausing real quick. This is mysticism. This is channeling, right? People will say, people say, oh, it's just a coincidence, but not around here, right? This is your mysticism coming through. I had no idea. Um, So a couple times this happened and I would like, wake up and turn to my husband and be like, I had the coolest dream. Like, and you know, usually in dreams, it's like first person point of view and you're like looking Mm -hmm. out through your eyes. It wasn't like that at all. It was like, Like, I was watching the movie. Um, and so this happened a couple of times. I like forgot what the stories were. And then I got mad because I was like, that was a really cool story. I'm just going to start writing it down. Yeah. And then I started writing it down and more came out. And then I started writing that down. And then I realized, oh, I really like these secondary characters. What would they be like if they had their own novels? Because I think I like them even better than these first ones. And then all of a sudden, Marissa, I had a hundred thousand words. Yeah. It wasn't, I want to become a romance novelist. I want to pursue. It was just like Mm -hmm. these characters arrived fully formed Mm -hmm. in my brain and would not leave me alone. (laughs) It came from within. I would say you channeled it. (laughs) Right. You can, you can sit with that and see what you think, but like, and that's why I want to talk to you about it because it was just as someone who is very analytical, who does feel like I want to see a progression of things. I want to have a plan for things. This was completely unplanned and it's sort of like magical. (laughs) It was, but I was going to say it it almost like took over the part of my brain that felt anxious about Mm. the world being on fire and politics and stuff. And like, instead of laying in bed, thinking about like anxiety and my kids and this pandemic and what if we get sick, it was like, Hmm. I wonder what Kate would say in this situation or like, what's Gabe going to do tomorrow? It was just like these characters sort of like took the, the stress off. Like I could just sit and spiral Mm -hmm. in the negative feelings, or I could escape into this like secondary world in my brain. (laughs) And this is where we would talk about the difference between like magic, mysticism, magic, and medicine. So Mm. mysticism is you're opening up to there's something meant for you, like channeling or whatever. Magical is like the synchronicity in your life. And it was medicinal for you. It It, was. It was a balm for you, for that anxiety, for something. So this is, this is what it's all about. (laughs) I'm really excited. (laughs) And then, you know, being me, being like, okay, what's the process I can put into this? How can I make my time management work for me? Um, 
I rolled it into NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. And I went in like September, October. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do NaNoWriMo. What do I need to complete in order to create an hour a day to work on this project? And in October, and so that was September is like, what's my launch schedule look like? How can I create more time? How can I create more white space, more ease in my life so that I can devote some of this energy to this thing that's living in my body and needs to escape my body or I get too nuts about it. Um, And then in October, I started to plot it out and get the ideas from wherever they live. You can like see my, I'm like, here they are in the back of my head. Here they are in my gut, right? Like these characters were, were scrambling to get out in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started to sit down and plot like, okay, (laughs) I have a mirror board that my writer's group calls my, my murder wall, you know, like the, (laughs) the like in detective shows, how they have like the string and the pinpoints where it's like, oh, well, if this character does this in book one, then in book three, it's going to be a callback to this. And in book four, this is going to happen from the epilogue. And like, all of a sudden it became this series this saga and it felt so good to get it out yeah that's amazing so when we're talking about polarity this is a great example of how masculine and feminine energy are not gendered because I'm saying I'm guessing you identify as female right so Mm -hmm. um but if I were to guess your polarity, I would say you were probably 70, 30, like 70 masculine, 30% feminine, maybe even on some days, 80, 20. Yeah, I think so. Your, that's your natural disposition. It feels good for you. But you're also, again, able to say, all right, I need more ease. Let me call on my feminine side. Let me call this energy in. Let me see what I need. I need more support here, or I need my village here. Or I need community or whatever these characteristics and these traits and you call them in when you want. If there was a time where you needed a shift, like I'm just making this up, but like there may be a time that comes up where you're like, I need some rest. Like I need to prioritize this. Your polarity might shift down to like 60, 40, 50, 50. I don't, I don't see you knowing you. I don't see you ever going the other way. I don't see you ever being like 70 feminine, 30 masculine. Just I don't like, think so. I don't think I would not, know how to. It's not your makeup, but yeah. that's the point is each one of us are individuals walking a collective path and I think also like day to day it's not even like okay here's what's going on in my life on a larger scale yes there's absolutely times that feel more masculine or more feminine um but like even within a given month based on where I am in my cycle like that that makes adjustments to how I'm feeling and sometimes I'll like I mean we all go through it if you are in a in a female body and you have these hormones going through you then like you're going to notice these times where you're like, I need salt and I need to snap at somebody you know, yeah. or whatever's going on. Um, and so I adjust, I, I have, because I'm so analytical, I have six or seven different calendars that lay on top of each other at any given time. These are my work priorities. This is the family stuff going on. This is what's going on in my mom's life. This is my writer's group. Right. And then I have one that's just like, here's where I am in my cycle. So that way I can layer it over top of everything else and be like, oof, it's luteal. Yeah. (laughs) Let's ease off because I'm going to like, let's plan more takeout dinners that week. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what I'm going to need. And it's gotten to the point now where I can say to my husband, like day one, deal with it. You know, (laughs) like he knows what that means. And I can say it around the kids and not have it be like, oh, let's panic, but just 
yeah, you're on bud. Cause yeah. I don't have it. I don't have it in me. Um, yeah. and having that be part of that conversation in my partnership. Hey there, popping in real quick to let you know that I've created something deep, profound, and also really fun for you. I know you're here because you're yearning for the days when feminine power was revered, when women were the sought after oracles and the magic weavers. But the first thing that often comes up is the fear that modern day society no longer celebrates these ideas. We no longer take the time to slow down and savor the seasons, leaning into the wisdom that Mother Earth so graciously offers. We no longer pour into ourselves and each other, mothering a sense of community and well-being. And we no longer co-create with the universe, bringing divine guidance down into our bodies and living our soul's truth. For those of us who crave this, it's really hard to reconcile the deep yearning for feminine ways with the uber-productive and mostly destructive masculine flavor of the world's day. So how are you supposed to reclaim your magical, powerful birthright when the world isn't designed to support it? Well, I'm a firm believer in tapping into your roots. You absolutely can embody ancient wisdom and awaken your feminine magic in your modern day life right now. I mean, what better way to bring down the patriarchy than to live, breathe, and share the sacred feminine at the grocery store, the school pickup line, in our businesses, and every way we show up in our day-to-day lives. In fact, I'd love to walk you through a rewilding process that will help you bravely step onto the feminine path and rebirth your relationship to your power. And you can start by watching my on-demand training called the six phases of the rerouting cycle. When you tune in, you'll explore why ascension is doing a disservice to your spiritual journey and how descension and embodiment really serves you. We'll also go through the six phases of the rooting cycle, the feminine energies that support it, and how to work toward embodying your rebirth. And finally, you'll learn how to avoid the number one mistake women make when rerouting into their feminine. So if you're ready to boldly step onto the feminine path and reclaim your primal potency, you can sign up for the training and start working toward calling your feminine energy into your everyday life right now. Simply head over to rootedfeminine.com slash masterclass to register. Yeah. Would you say that cycle syncing is not necessarily your favorite, but because it's like, oh, there's four phases and I can kind of intellectually get behind this. Is that a doorway that helps you drop into your body more or? I think sometimes, yeah. I don't know that I would have really articulated that that way, but I think that's right. Especially when I'm like sitting down to do the the more intellectual analytical planning in advance. Um, <laughs> I gave you this example before we started recording where it's like, when I'm like struggling with what to write next in the romance novel, but I don't want to lose the the momentum right I can look at my cycle and be like ovulation that's sex scene week yeah yeah right oh this is menstrual week time to write the conflict or no the the comfort during the menstrual weeks during luteal I'm like I need to break these people up you know yeah and then backstory during the off weeks right like just sort of having a bit of a and, and that's not to say that if I feel inspired I'm gonna push aside what's coming up in like the muse. Um, but it's that, it's that, um, you know, like in Stephen Pressfield's book, the, the war of art, where he's like, you just got to get through the resistance. I think for me, 
that's the structure that I put behind myself so that I can get through the resistance. And then I also have this sort of push pull of what are the things that need to get done in my business that I can prioritize? And I try to do those first thing in the morning. And then if I can push through the resistance mm-hmm. of like, this is just the shit that I need to do um, to get paid. If I can push through it, then the reward is take the dog for a long walk or the reward is write a chapter in a book or the reward is take a long bath. And sometimes that's the reward without it being a reward. It's just like, well, I feel like crap today. So I'm going to go sit in the hammock and I'm going to work from there because <laughs> like, I have to. Yeah. Because I can. Exactly. Because you have empowered yourself to be able to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that like your values come through, through the business, but also in your personal life. So are these same things of like curiosity and you know, transparency and vulnerability, how are you embodying those outside of the business as well? Or would you say you are? I would say that I am. And I think a lot of that is like in the way that I parent, mm-hmm. you know, really encouraging more my eight-year-old than anything else, but just like ask me any question that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I shared, uh, we just lost a, a close family member this week. Yeah. And so I, we both sat down with him and we're like, you're going to have a lot of feelings. You're going to have a lot of questions. That's okay. Any questions that you have are okay to come to us, but that's true every time with him. Um, we have, we have core values of our family that aren't like hard articulated. They're not like on a family crest or anything like that. Um, but they're there and they're strong. Mm -hmm. You feel it in the house when we're having conversations like curiosity, and honesty are probably our two top values in our house. And I feel like that's another way that you lead in a feminine way is um, because, you know, there's, you can be a leader in your feminine energy, mm-hmm. right? Not only leadership isn't only masculine and having that compassionate leadership, right? Yeah. Heart-led leadership, that would be feminine leadership. Instead right. of and especially as, as a woman raising two boys, Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm even my dog is is male, right? <laughs> you know, um, so it's very much I try to to be a role model to my kids of this is what partnership should look. This is the 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 cooperation and the communication that is happening in, within a partnership that we are going to do in front of you, and we're going to fight in front of you, and we are going to make up in front of you right. because we want you to see how conflict can be handled maturely and resolved even in a way that isn't 50 50 sometimes where it's like okay you know what you get this one I'll get the next one you know (laughs) like that's that's what we and I don't do most of the cooking in my house Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not as good of a cook as he is so I want him to have some of those quote-unquote like feminine tasks while I go out and mow the lawn because I like doing that and he doesn't you know and just like it doesn't have to be this traditional gender rolled domestic choice it can be what works best for our personalities for our time you know he works nights I work days um so what do we need to do to make it work and how can we role model that to these little young brains that are sponges and gender roles are absolutely like a patriarchal Mm -hmm. because when you when you zoom out from like oh this assigned role what you're doing is going from pleasure what do I enjoy what do you enjoy what are my strengths what am I good at 
that's feminine, right? Seeking seeking the pleasure in something or seeking the ease in something, that's feminine. So it doesn't matter what the actual role is. um, It's what's the impetus or the motivation for the role. And for you, it's ease and pleasure and fun and enjoyability. And those are all feminine traits. Totally. And I also, my younger son is on the autism spectrum. He has a condition called social pragmatic communication disorder. It makes him it very difficult for him to know the right pronouns and Mm -hmm. for him to identify male versus female, boy versus girl. Like it's so all the time he's getting these pronouns wrong. And my husband is very concerned about it. (laughs) He's like, that is a boy and he is a he, you know, and I'm like, meh. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes, you know, my five year old will say, like, I'm a she. And I'm like, great, you get to choose. Now, your older brother has ch- selected that he will be a he. So I need you to call him. He- Those are his pronouns. Right. You get to choose your own pronouns. Like, we have to respect other people's choices. But being able to have these conversations um, mm-hmm. that are just like not specifically gendered, even though they are very like masculine boys, they play with Legos, mm-hmm. they love their superheroes, they love their dinosaurs. But like, we can still have feminine traits mm-hmm. and feminine behaviors and and really like a lot of emotional intelligence. <laughs> and I think that's where, yes, that, that last point, I think that's where we differentiate between the difference between femininity mm-hmm. and feminine or sacred feminine or divine feminine, because femininity is what we've been told. Oh, we're supposed to dress a certain way, look a certain way. We're supposed to play with dolls. We're supposed to do this. The feminine is that emotional intelligence that you just brought in, mm-hmm. right? Knowing how you're feeling, being in tune with your body, sourcing your wisdom and your energy and your, um, again, motivation from the neck down, being able to articulate how you're feeling, being able to act accordingly to how you're feeling. Those are all feminine traits that more men need right if we're gonna go if we're gonna go the gender if we're gonna go there right and my my older son also like he's very rigid we have him in therapy for his anxiety and even even his therapist his play therapist is like he's so good at being like well I felt really anxious but also frustrated and really confused and I'm like I guarantee that 50 years ago, nobody would have asked a kid that. Right, right. Especially, you know, like, right. It would have been like, oh, buck up, you know? But now it's like, oh, in school and out of school, he's getting support on this emotional piece. And it's it's incredible how different it is that the expectations have shifted so much in one or two generations. Mm-hmm. So we know that you are, I'm switching subjects, but we know yeah, that cool. are, um, like you have a really activated like power center, but I'm curious if like the other feminine centers, again, sacred feminine, divine feminine, right? We have like, we have heart space, we have womb space, we have root space. And so your power space is very online, but I'm curious if you ever feel wisdom come from the heart space or wisdom come from any of these other centers in your body, or does it feel like your kind of predominance shows through that like leadership? I think to me, it's a lot of head work, mm-hmm. um, but, and, and I think I lead with the intellectual and the analytical, yeah. but my gut is also very involved in my decision-making. And yeah. so sometimes it's, you know, we'll have a lead come into the business and I'll look at the lead thing and be like, I don't want to work with this person. Yeah. 
So and I can't I articulate to the team member that's, you know, going, oh, I can, I can be like, here are, here are the red flags that I see. Yeah. But the first thing that happens is my gut goes, Ooh, mm-hmm. my shoulders go back. I, I tense up, you know, like, and I feel that body compass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am trying to train my team to feel the body of like, mm-hmm. we've made this mistake before. Remember, you know, like, remember that feeling of when that client yelled at us for things that were completely out of our control, right. this person has that energy, right. Starting to recognize that. Um, and I, I can't really speak to the names of the centers, but I can feel like there's, there's a lot of nurturing mm-hmm. that comes in the leadership, yeah. um, which might be more of that heart side of things of, Yes, there's still power, but it's never, I try never for it to be top down power. I try to have it be very compassionate Um, and very much like, I I mean, search engine optimization is one, one of the reasons I chose it is because it's a long game and there's not this like heavy, heavy urgency, hustle, hustle, hustle to it. It's like, oh, you didn't get the blog posted today. Great. Do it next week. Great. Like even though we want to see results and we analytically want to examine what's working, we also recognize that life is happening mm-hmm. um, and that w- there's so many things that are out of our control. So having that like nurturing flexibility mm-hmm. feels really good and very important. Um, and when we're teaching people the marketing strategies around search, mm-hmm. it's a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And I think you learned this when I came into the training in your program where I'm like, this is not just like, what are the words that people are putting into Google and what's the search volume and what's the keyword difficulty? Like we're really mapping out a customer journey using empathy mapping yeah, and then matching the empathy mapping to the keyword research. So I'm writing a book about that, like the empathy of SEO. Um, and I want that to be like, I mean, I have a couple other books coming out before that because it's happening because th- things are, are downloading in different spaces. There's yeah. my mysticism, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, even with this idea of here's what's coming down the pipeline and I'm trying to follow the intuition, I also know here's another, this is one of the other post-it notes on my desk is these are the three books that are going to come out in the next six months. And that one is going to come out next February. And I know that I need to hold the space for the ideas to come, Mm -hmm. But I also need to have the deadlines because otherwise it will just extend indefinitely. And like, it's almost like um, my my muse needs an ultimatum. Mm -hmm. I love that. (laughs) I love that a lot. So a word you used um, a while ago was devotion. And devotion and determination are two sides of the same coin, right? Determination Mm -hmm. being masculine and devotion being feminine. So it's like, we need both of those because we need to hold in our heart, in our, wherever it is for you, in your soul, in your spirit, we need to hold that devotion. Why? Like, you know, Simon Sinek starts with why, right? That's, um, that's devotion. And then we have the determination that, that they have to work together. That's how something that is soul led, that's how something that is purposeful and dharmatic. I don't know if that's how you say it (laughs) from your dharma. It is now. It is now. (laughs) Um, That's how that happens devotion paired with determination that's beautiful because when I wrote our mission statement I wrote we are singularly devoted I didn't say dedicated I said devoted and I don't know I didn't know at the time that I chose that word but it is a devotion Mm -hmm. it is a calling um but it is also very analytical like it's a, a very 
interesting juxtaposition of these two sides of the same coin. You're still devoted to your soul, though. You're still de- devoted to your, like, your mechanism of improving the world, right? So feminine, you you work on yourself or improve yourself, pour into yourself so you can pour into the world, right? Your mechanism of doing that may be analytical. Your mm-hmm. mechanism of doing that may be masculine flavored, but the devotion to it is feminine. This is why there's polarity. This is why there is uh, the ultimate, like, I hate saying the word goal when we're talking about like spiritual concepts, but the ultimate intention is sacred union. And that's not just sex, right? It's talked about in sex, but like sacred union between your masculine and your feminine and having them be integrated. Mm-hmm. I think you're way more integrated than you might think you are. <laughs> just probably today yeah probably but you know it's it's living in a masculine world living as a woman in the patriarchy Mm -hmm. running a business in a capitalist society Mm -hmm. we're always having these hierarchical systems of oppression telling us how to behave and anything that is more more natural more rooted feels countercultural, even if it is more values aligned and closely integrated to the ways that we traditionally have run our lives. Um, So it's possible that I have just sort of heard those stories for so long that as, as somebody who runs a business, that's the story that I've had to tell myself to prove my internal success to myself versus, you know, feeling like, oh, well, I'm very woo. And that makes me less professional. Um, Even though I am pretty woo, Mm-hmm. It's almost like I had to prove to myself that I have the results to back up what I'm trying to tell people because of the industry that I'm in, I think, especially being so results driven mm-hmm. um, that just comes out in the way that I'm building things. And like, because, because I have ADHD, I have this neurodivergent brain. I've had to put a lot of structures and infrastructure and scaffolding into the business so that I can have this creative space while having the focus and determination. And I'm using determination now very intentionally to get things done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm even thinking, is there a synchronicity with love at first search? Because mm-hmm. it's like, obviously the person falls in love with the company that you represent when they search them, but there's also this whole values piece and it was sort of, yeah, it was sort of accidental when I came up with the brand name. Synchronistic, I, not accidental. Uh, the, yeah, I think you're right, though. You know, so the, the brand name came when I was just writing an email one day. I was talking, you know, this is email marketing 101. I was talking about the origin of the business and how much I loved spreadsheets. Even as a, even as a kid, I was playing in like Excel, like a total weirdo. Um, but I was also playing in graphic design software. Like it was both and, but always technical. Um, you know, my dad was an engineer. It was very technical in my house. Um, but my mom was a social worker. She has her MPA. She was a teacher, like polarity. Right. Um, but you know, I was just writing an email and I was like, I've always loved Google analytics so I can see things. It was pretty much love at first search. The first wait, what? (laughs) Like it just came out. Um, and then I, I actually pulled back from a lot of the, the love and connection based language at first, because I didn't want to fall too heavily into the feminine. Um, so I had a blog post that was like search engine optimization is really like a matchmaker. And I had this like, you know, 
bird cage gif of like matchmaker matchmaker make yeah. me a match right like and I pulled it down because I was like no I don't want to lean too far into this feminine because I'm still in this masculine industry and then as I did more work on the company values as I started to realize what the team looked like as I started to think about the productized services that we have and what the outcomes are and how we talk about things that's when and as I started to write romance and really think through these like romantic storylines and heroes and heroines not not men and women heroes and heroines mm -hmm. being in relationship with each other um because heroes can be the feminine characters and heroines can be the masculine like harry potter is a heroine wonder woman is a hero right like once i started to sort of decouple the genders mm -hmm. of the stories that i was telling um and it's probably no coincidence that the first romance novel that I'm going to publish has a transgender character as I was sort of <laughs> trying to unravel some of this stuff in my own head and heart. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I hadn't really put that together until I'm doing this. Yeah. But the, the company branding has certainly taken on much more of that in the past year. You know, I, I rebranded four or five years ago, but I'm starting to lean back into that feminine empathy, romance, connection, meet cute language yeah. that I was so resistant to when I first started with the brand name, because I was like, I don't want to lean too, I don't want to lean too far into it and become a kissing business because I think it will make me seem unprofessional. <laughs> well, as somebody who runs two companies and also is really trying to embody my feminine as much as possible like what a way to stand out mm -hmm. right? what a way to differentiate yourself from the market like you know when I need SEO help I know exactly who I'm going to because it's going to communicate to me on a like it, when I read it and take it in through the mind because the mind is a great doorway into the body so it's going to resonate with me intellectually but it's going to also help me drop in and, yeah. and be able to say, yes, this is the right place for me. So, yeah. And I think also some of the marketing tactics that I've used have made this shift as well. So I spent two years with a YouTube channel, which was very much technical tutorials. Here's how to do these things. Here's why they matter. Like very structured, organized communication Yeah, and trainings. And then I started the podcast about a year and a half ago. And those are conversations with people from my community about their life experiences, which may or may not directly lead to sales for my business, which may or may not even mention my business, but that's the village that I've built. Mm -hmm. That's the community that I've created. And now the people who are listening to the podcast are not the people who are watching the YouTube channel because the YouTube channel people were going like, I want to learn these things. Mm -hmm. Check, 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 checklist, right? And the podcast listeners are, much, I mean, the value of curiosity shows up again in every episode. And the customers and clients who come to me having listened to the podcast are coming to me based on values, not based mm -hmm. on skills. Yeah. And the the sales cycle on them is longer, but mm -hmm. the satisfaction of myself and my team, like my team will be like, I cannot believe we just landed this client. I love this person so much. Um, and by the time they get to us, they're not looking anywhere else. This uh, and Our competitors are not like, I, I don't want to sound like totally, <laughs> totally like braggy, but like, I don't think we have competitors because 
the way that we're talking about the industry isn't just, oh, we'll do these five things. It's very much like, what are the marketing strategies that work for your life and your business? And if search is one of them, here's how we're going to help you with this empathetic lens on it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not the way that most people approach this at all. Yeah. And I think that's magical. Personally. <laughs> Thank you. And I know that word means a lot to you. It's not just yeah. a word that you throw in, you know? Yeah. So some of our listeners are business owners and they're really going to resonate with the business side of these things. And some of our listeners are not, and they're going to really resonate with the personal side of your story. But if you could speak to kind of both audiences, what do you think is kind of your biggest takeaway? Or if you have a piece of advice, however you want to think about it, um, piece of wisdom to offer for people who are doing this dance between masculine and feminine? Um, I would say that, hmm. I would say that it really is a dance and that it, it's, you know, it's a tango. It's two steps forward, one step back. Um, and there are going to be times where you go too far on one end of the spectrum and feel out of balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, it's okay to to figure out what your balance is. Mm. I'm never going to be 100% feminine. And I'm thrilled to hear you say it, to be like, you know, we're having this conversation, even though that isn't who you are, Um, because it doesn't have to be 100%. And and I don't think that any of us are 100% anything. Anything. Right. Um, I think everything is on some sort of spectrum. And if you can find the sweet spot Mm -hmm. that works for you, whatever that is, um, that's how in, in the marketing space, in the business space, we would call that the blue ocean, you know, where it's like, instead of being in the red where the sharks are and everyone's competing for the same thing, if you can swim out a little bit, find your own space, find the people who love you, build your village, even if there aren't that many people in your village, you don't need that many. Yeah. What's a Dunning's number, a Dunham's number? Have you heard of this? It's- where it's like, you can really only have 150 people in your brain at any given time. Oh no, I haven't heard of that. Dunbar's number, and this is from Wikipedia, so we can find a better one. Um, Dunbar's number is a suggested cognitive limit to the number of people with whom one can maintain stable social relationships in which an individual knows who each person is and how each person relates to one another. Well, that's like um, five for me, yeah. <laughs> not 150. <laughs> I know, but, and so there's also this thing where it's like, you have maybe 10 people in your life that are like the closest ties. And then you have Dunbar's number, which is like the looser connections. like. I don't, in older villages, I would say, I was about to say primitive and I'm like, nope, not that word, (laughs) you know, but like early villages would usually tap out at around this number because there's just a limit to the amount of people that you can hold space for in your brain. Um, So it's like these villages that we're building for ourselves do not have to be giant, giant communities. You can still be intimate and have depth in your relationships. And I think that's one of the reasons that social media has messed with our heads so much is because we feel like we always have to have more people following us and be in front of a bigger audience instead of being able to say like, I don't need 150,000 or 150 million. I need like 150 people. And if those people love what I'm doing and I can be my true self to those people and they feel comfortable to be their true selves to me and we can find the synchronicity, then, you know, research shows that you can be successful with 150 people, with a hundred really great clients. You can grow infinitely. If they send referrals, if they talk about, you know, like it doesn't always have to be bigger. You can be intimate and be very successful and very happy. I love that. I love that. And that intimacy over um, 
striving would absolutely be in our feminine wheelhouse. So Mm -hmm. Meg, thank you so much for being here today. Can you share a few links of like where people, if they want to follow up with you in terms of your novel or in terms of business stuff, um, where should people go? Sure. So head over, if you're interested in the business stuff, you can head to loveatfirstsearch.com. That is our agency. You can go to socialslowdown.com to get to the podcast, or I don't have much up about the novel yet because it's still in progress, but megcasebolt.com is where you can get some of that information. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So Meg is obviously high energy and really fun um, and has a lot of wisdom to share with us. There's a few things that really stood out to me, especially her emphasis on values and heart-led missions, absolutely feminine traits. Um, She also really has a sacred connection to community that she builds not only in her business, but in in her family and her community community as well. And so I think that that is part of Meg's magic in the world. My biggest takeaway is how Meg talked about uh, devotion and determination, right? That is the key to bringing soul-led purpose into the world. It's that sacred union between the feminine devotion and the masculine determination, creating really a third force, a third energy that helps birth and co-create and bring to life these soul-led, dharma, purpose-driven things in the world. The other thing to take away is that we all are individuals making up this collective. And for the feminine to rise, each one of us has to do our part. And so settling into your unique polarity, your unique personality, your unique unique soul's manifestation here on this planet in this lifetime, tapping into your magic and using that for the betterment of collective, the betterment of society, that's all that the feminine can ask for. So if you are somebody who's like, I'm not 100% feminine and never will be. A, to Meg's point, we're not ever 100% of anything. And B, your unique disposition is exactly what the feminine needs to rise. All right. So I hope you've loved this episode. I hope there were some takeaways for you. All of Meg's information will be below in the show notes. So if you want to follow up with her um, personal and passion projects in her romance writing, or if you want business help and want to show up in those search engine rankings, head on over to her links that you can find below. All right. We will be back next week with some more episodes here at Rooted Feminine. And so I will see you next time in Temple Space. Thank you so much for listening to Rooted Feminine. For show notes, links, downloads, head over to rootedfeminine.com slash podcast, where you'll be able to build a deeper relationship with me and the show, as well as sink into all past episodes. If you loved what you heard today, it would be so kind of you to share it with your divine feminine friends, subscribe to the show, and even leave a review. Cannot wait to connect with you next week.